Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go! Hi friends, it's your host, Bryn. Welcome to Bryn Moves, the podcast. I'm a certified integrative nutrition health coach, yoga instructor, dancer, and wellness entrepreneur. Let's go! I'm on a serious but super fun mission to inspire and empower lives. We're here to chat about wellness and fitness, as well as some tools for shifting your mindset so you can live your best. I hope you feel motivated to dive into your own unique and powerful wellness journey after listening in. So whether you're listening from your car, on a walk, food prepping, or putting on your makeup, turn up the volume and tune in for some serious motivation and inspiration. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, welcome to Brain Moves, the podcast. I'm so happy that you guys are here today. I have my incredible friend, Brittany, on the show with us. Hey, Brittany. Hi. So this is Dr. Brittany McGetrick. She is amazing. I've had her on the show a while back. So if you've been listening from the beginning, you've heard from her before. Um, I'm so happy that we're doing this show today. Um, I love following Brittany on social media and staying in in touch with her. Um, We used to live close and teach yoga together and now we're kind of far, but we still stay in touch. And I'm so like amazed with the constant education and work that you're doing and all of the work that you're doing to share and educate women, especially and post on your social around the topics of hormone health and alternative medicine and pregnancy and all of the stuff that you're sharing. And so I'm super grateful that you said yes to coming on the show today to just drop a little bit of your knowledge and gems here and help people to feel inspired and empowered to really step into their own wellness journeys and just have more options and feel more empowered um, about their choices for taking care of themselves. So welcome and uh, or welcome back and since our show from before was so long ago, can you reintroduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about who you are? Yes, thank you. So I am based in Nashville, Tennessee. I am a Gonstead chiropractor. So that's sort of the main thing that I do all the time is chiropractic. Um, but I also have a, a base foundation in nutrition because I was a, di- a registered dietitian before I became a, a chiropractor. So nutrition has a lot to do with what I talk about. And then, um, yeah, I've sort of also developed this online presence as a hormone educator. So I also have an online course where I teach women um, about their hormones and about um, helping with period problems from like period cramps to irregular periods. PCOS, endometriosis, whatever it is, there's so many things going on out there with women and their hormones and their periods that can actually be healed. So I just started talking about that all the time. And here we are. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. I love that you share all of that because I actually know a lot of women who are challenged with those hormone issues, especially PCOS and endometriosis and doctors, uh, different doctors telling women that they're not going to be able to get pregnant or they're, you know, that they won't be able to heal themselves or there's nothing much more that they can do. And it's great to be able to turn to more naturopathic or alternative medicine options and like lifestyle options, right. That can help, um, heal our bodies and set us up for success. Even if we don't have something that we're currently dealing with, that we could start to take our health into our own hands and like be proactive so that we don't end up having certain 
you know, hormone issues or um, gut issues or body issues or things that, you know, affect us. Um, and then I know you said you've been recently also kind of diving into like the mental and emotional space as well and how our mental health and emotional health affects our physical bodies too. So I'm excited to hear you kind of share a little bit about that as well today. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. Once you start diving down the rabbit hole of natural health, like there, it's so amazing to me how much is out there. I mean, I've been learning about natural health I mean, really, really learning about it since like 2015, but I've been in like the nutrition and, you know, health in general space since like 2009. And even still, there's still so many things out there that I have no idea about that I'm still learning about that there's so many different ways to heal. So people who come to me and they're like, I've tried everything. I'm like, have you though? Because there's things out there that I don't even know about. And I know a lot of stuff and you probably haven't tried all of those things. Yeah, I love that. There's, It's so empowering to learn that we actually do have other options. Like, okay, I've tried this. Let me try this. And sometimes it can feel exhausting. But I think if we switch the mindset to like, this is really empowering that I actually like can go seek new resources and new support and be able to really take control and heal myself um, and, and do everything I can. Like at least at the end of the day, you can say I've done everything I can, or I've, you know, use all of the resources that I have. And then, like you said, keep seeking, um, new, there's not just one answer to everything. And sometimes when we go to, you know, our OBGYN or our doctor, like, although they're incredible for, um, certain things that we need support in, there are some other things where they might only have like the one answer to it and it doesn't work for you. And so being able to have those other options and educate ourselves just to really know our bodies, I think is so important. And I love that you do that work. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So let's dive into like, first of all, the importance of this self-care in ways that are outside of like having health insurance and going to the doctor, right? Like our daily self-care practices and our weekly and our monthly like practices that really help set us up for success. And I think that you have a lot of those in your personal life. Um, and then a lot of stuff that you're teaching your chiropractic um, patients and, you know, other um, clients of yours that are coming to, to work on their hormone health and their overall well-being. What are some of like your top things that you're teaching right now for alternative medicine, as far as like the most important things for people to just add maybe to their daily, their weekly or their monthly routine? Yeah. Well, it's funny. So self-care has really become a buzzword as of late of, you know, self-care, do this and that. And people think like, oh, you know, take a bubble bath or get a facial. But at the if you are not sleeping eight hours every single night, if you're not eating well every day, right, just these basic building blocks that we need to recharge ourselves. If you don't have those basics, then a bubble bath once a week, that is not self-care. <laughs> That's not going to do it for you. <laughs> So really just getting back to the basics and especially for women too, this is another sort of topic I've been diving into more and more is really like more like the traditional roles for women. And it's, it can be sort of a, I don't know, it can be sort of controversial topic, but like, like modern society is really designed for men and their circadian rhythm, their circadian rhythm that is every 24 hours. Men just have a new cycle. Like they can wake up at 5 a.m. and work out every day at 5 a.m. And that's no problem for them. 
and they just go, go, go. And it's this like this hustle culture, this lifestyle, this working the same work day, every single work week, every single week. That's all designed around men's physiology and what is best for men. And there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. I love men. You know, I have nothing against men. I, we need men and we need masculinity in society. We need that. Mm-hmm. But we also need to figure out how we as women can work ourselves into that world. Because right now, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is we're just trying to be like men. But we're not men. <laughs> and we shouldn't, right? We have a 28-day or 28-ish day cycle, our infradian rhythm versus circadian rhythm is 24 hours. We have this cycle every month that we're going through. And so many women, we, we're not honoring it, but a lot of times too, we're not really able to honor it. And mm. it's not even something that I have a, a perfect right answer for, because even myself as a chiropractor who I own my own business, I still am like trying to figure out how I can, I can work that into my cycle. Like, for example, because like I see patients, you know, on certain days every single week and that doesn't change every month. So I've actually played with the idea lately of looking ahead at my cycle. And like if I were supposed to start my period on a Monday, like looking ahead and just blocking that Monday off and actually taking that day off of work and not working Mm -hmm. that day. Um, But when I had that idea, I looked at my calendar and most of my periods were all starting on Fridays coming up and I already have Fridays off. So it kind of worked out anyways that I didn't have to look at that. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. I'm like, okay, perfect. Um, But I really was toying with that idea of even, you know, trying, trying to do that. So a lot of these like basic self-care needs that women feel like they need all the time is really because we're just not living in a way that's supporting our natural physiology. Yeah. I really love that you started with this because um, I talk about this a lot and the difference between masculine and feminine energy. But if we're really talking about it on like a physiological, uh, you know, standpoint or from a physiological standpoint, it is like so crucial that we recognize that we have that cycle, like you said, and actually find ways to work with ourselves rather than against ourselves. And that can make our whole body feel a lot better. And when we're really honoring that having a bleed is, you know, a gift and that we have so many superpowers as women, when we learn to honor the phase of our cycle that we're in, I think we actually can be a lot more productive in the times where that feels right for us. And in the times where we could be resting, for example, when you start your bleed, right? Those first days of your bleed, like it would be great to be able to take work off, like you said, or move slower or not take a meeting that day or be able to cancel some things and pull it off your schedule and really honor yourself with rest and support your body. And that's going to make us come back so much stronger in that phase right after our bleed when we have a ton of energy and it's time to like go do the hard workout, like, you know, maybe tap into a little more of our masculine energy as far as like being structured and getting stuff done and being productive. And I think we'll actually have more productive periods of time if we were to honor our cycle a little bit more and work um, with our flow rather than against it as women. And yeah, a lot of uh, my life, and I've shared this before, I feel like I was celebrated for my masculine accomplishments, right? It's like 
money is masculine, like going to school, like earning, you know, degrees, titles, like opening businesses, like all the stuff that we do, right? Like you too. And so um, that's what our society really celebrates is all of those masculine accomplishments. We're not always celebrated for taking a walk or taking a bath or um, taking a day off or taking a rest day or cooking really nourishing food for our body and, you know, giving ourselves some self massage, like no one's like, wow, good job. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. So uh, a lot of times it gets looked over because we feel like, oh, this is not productive. And then there's that whole feeling of falling behind, of looking at other women or other people, even men on social media or in your job, say you work in a more corporate environment where there's people climbing the ladder, right? And you start to feel like, oh my God, am I falling behind if I take these moments to honor my cycle or to slow down for a day? Even one day, it's hard for us in our society today to like not feel guilty about resting for a day and it's like that's so sad like we deserve one day at least I mean if not like multiple days of you know just switching the way we do things um to honor our natural rhythm and cycle and yeah it's a it's kind of about realizing that some of the stuff we've been taught is just a lie (laughs) it's just not it's not in alignment with our truth or our best and realizing I'm not falling behind. I don't need to feel guilty. And I used to feel like that. I used to feel really guilty for having days where I moved slower. Like, oh my God, now I'm not going to accomplish like all the things as fast as like the next person, you know? I used to go work out. I used to go to workout classes like day one of my period. (laughs) And now I'm like, what? I could never even imagine. And I would, I would go like take a Mm -mm. cycle class or something. And I'm like, Mm -mm. (laughs) I know I I have girls that come to my yoga classes or like other fitness classes I teach and after they'll be like I'm really dizzy and I really don't feel good and I feel like I'm gonna throw up and their face is like really white and you know maybe that's partway through class maybe it's after class and one of the first questions I always ask them is where are you at in your cycle and I think they're shocked that that's the first question I ask them (laughs) And then they're like, I started my bleed yesterday or I started my bleed this morning. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That And then I feel like I'm able to give them like a moment, like Mm -hmm. a, like a little education or like bring awareness to it. And then they get to have that realization. And a lot of women just don't know. It's not even like they're doing it you know, on purpose, like to go against themselves, they just like have never been taught. We've never been taught until someone teaches us. And so then I get to share that information and then hopefully they can, you know, make a different choice the following month to just like really feel better. Yeah. And I think too, this conversation around like taking time to rest, this also comes up real big in the motherhood transition. So, which I know like you're about to go through right now. And I've been working with a ton of moms and babies in my practice lately. And like, I, I'm at this point now where I, I'm caring for all of these moms and babies and, you know, seeing what they're going through. And I look at my life and I'm like, no, like if I were to have a baby right now, like, no, like, I don't know that I would, I wouldn't want to go back to work for a long time. And 
like even the fact that I'm saying that five years ago, me is like, what? Like she would think that was so crazy. But I also think there's like this huge problem of I like we just need to care for women more. And like women need to like just take that time to rest. Like when you become a mom, that's it. You're just a mom. And I say just with finger quotations because it's not just, but (laughs) it's so many things. And for example, like I was just at, I was um, talking with a lactation consultant. I went to, she was doing like a free lactation class for new moms. And she was talking about how in the beginning, your milk supply will go kind of like up and down. It's a bit of a roller coaster while you get used to your baby and your baby gets used to you. And she said it can take up to 12 weeks for that to regulate. Most moms are like back at work already or going back to work right around that time. I'm like, your milk hasn't even figured out how to do this whole motherhood thing yet. Why do you think that you can do it and go back to work? (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessing to be able to have the privilege or opportunity to like take more time when you do have a baby. And I know not all women have that or feel like they have that opportunity if you're one of the main providers for your householder or something, you know? And so then it's like about kind of finding the balance or the, the uh, making it a priority, I guess, to like double down on your self care when you can, or, or double down on your, um, rest time, your sleep time, your mom, your, your, your mom time, like your mothering time when you can. So maybe it's like, okay, I might go back to work, but then like I'm leaving at this time and I'm shutting off my emails and phone when I'm done there. And I'm spending time, like, you know, honoring where my body's at and being with my baby. So it's like, if you do have to do it, how do you find ways in between or on the weekends or every night to make sure that you are fitting in, you know, um, that, uh, learning time and transition time and time to integrate, like you're saying, um, and not skipping over it or rushing yourself to then go back to everything you were doing. It's like, you know, sometimes I think once we get going, we feel that momentum. We're like, now I'm going to say yes to all the other stuff I was doing before and all the projects and all the workouts and everything. And it's like, well, no, like, okay, one thing at a time, if you do have to go back to work, how do you, then honor your body like every evening or be with your baby. Like where can you get the time into where you get to still like experience this time of life? And yeah, it would be nice to really be able to explain that and share that with our partners. If you are a woman who has a partner and you get to like have that conversation with them of like, Hey, I really want to like be a mom. I feel like I've been sharing that a lot with my partner. Like after the baby comes, I want to like spend the time like being at home and being a mom. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know? And that doesn't mean that I can't still be a badass in business or pick up, you know, um, and take on coaching clients again in the future. But like, I've been letting everybody know, like I've got February and I've got March. And after that, like I'm taking a big break. And I've actually had a lot of people celebrate me for that, which was surprising because you'd expect people to be like, Ugh, what <laughs> you yeah. know but it's like no like that is my choice and I feel like I've spent a while preparing for that like basically through my entire pregnancy I've been finding the balance between dipping into my masculine dipping into my feminine um and I feel really good in the going back and forth between the two and in my masculine I am like I have a business coach right now that I have been working with for the last four months. I have 
like been setting things up that are going to help create that residual income or passive income while I'm in my postpartum phase or fourth trimester so that I can really enjoy that time, um, you know, with my baby and with myself, like that, that special phase that I'll never get back. Right. I mean, maybe I'll have another baby, but it's like, you know, it's such a special time and I want to be able to like fully, um, be in my femininity and in that magic of like enjoying that postpartum phase and letting myself work with my body, listen to my body, listen to my baby, help bring her into, into my world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that right there, just like leaning into your femininity and what your body and what your baby is telling you. I mean, we could get rid of so many problems out there if more women just knew just how to do that, just to tune into that. Because so many things and like health concerns or problems with like breastfeeding or this or that come up, I think due to these expectations that we have of like, well, I, I need to go back to work. So like the baby has to take a bottle or, you know, I have to do this or that. So that therefore this outcome has to happen when it's like, well, hang on, like, can, let's take a minute. Like, what is your baby telling you? You know, like a lot of, like I have had a mom come in and when she went back to work, then her baby got really clingy. And it, it was almost like that was a problem. Like, no, your baby's telling you, like your baby misses you. Like, that's why they're more clingy because you just went back to work. <laughs> yeah. I've been reading some stuff about how like your baby, it like almost brings me to tears. Like how you're, you're the only thing your baby knows and your baby's vision is so, um, uh, limited when they're born. And so it's like from your breast to your face is like basically all they can see, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's as far as they see. And that's, and you're everything to them. They've been in the womb, just hearing you, they go every, you know, my baby goes everywhere with me. She hears everything I say. She eats what I eat. You know, it's like everything I do when I move, like all I think about is like, you know, I'm really trying to bring myself right now into her world during pregnancy, knowing that soon I'm going to bring her into Earthside and my world and our world. And like, how can we keep that synergy of like listening to each other, but knowing that and having the patience of like, like I see and know a whole world, but this brand new little baby, all she's going to know is me. You know, it's like yeah. I'm everything to her for, you know, the first period of her life. Yeah, that's wild. It's wild and beautiful. It's like such a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there's a book that um that uh, has been recommended to me that I want to share with you and everyone listening called The Fourth Trimester. I don't know if you've heard of it or seen it. It's got a beautiful cover. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I have it. It's the next book I'm gonna read after I'm reading Ina May's uh, guide to childbirth right now. But um, yeah, the fourth trimester I've heard is like just an incredible book. And I think it probably talks about a lot of what you're saying and that concept of being a mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Transitioning <awesome>. into motherhood. <laughs> yep, exactly. Cause you become a whole different person. Like you, you go through that birth process just as much as your baby does. And yeah you're going to meet someone else on the other side. <laughs> so you're seeing a lot of moms and babies in your practice and you're actually adjusting the babies as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I do chiropractic adjustments with the babies. And then I also do something called CFT. It stands for craniosacral fascial technique. 
So it's a way of working with the baby's fascia and helping them like release any stored, they can have stored like emotional traumas, stored traumas from their birth. And it can also be physical traumas as well, any of that. So it really helps to just unwind all of that in their system. And it helps a ton with breastfeeding because if they have any oral ties, like lip, tongue, or cheek ties, those ties or that tissue is fascia. So it's connected to the fascia and the rest of their body as well. So if they're having any trouble breastfeeding due to oral ties, um, unwinding and opening up their fascia in the rest of their body can really help with that. That is so interesting. It's interesting what you said also just now, if we're touching on like the emotional and, and mental side of it, um, the trauma from their birth. Because every birth is so different and everyone brings their baby earth side in, in their own way. And I've been also reading a lot about that, like having trauma from birth and how our birth story like shapes and affects our entire life all the way into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I it's so it's so interesting because especially in working with these babies, I'm really starting to notice like some babies will come in and they're totally peaceful and like we'll start working on their body and they're just, you know, like they sleep through the whole thing and it's no big deal. And then other babies do, I can tell they have some like emotional trauma stored up and they start to think they get really fussy or things will happen when we get to certain areas. And it's crazy how much it it correlates. Like I had this one baby, she was like stuck in mom's birth canal for a while. And the doctor, I think had to like reach in and like turn her head to get her to come down. And I started working on the back of this baby's head and immediately she just lost it. She was wailing, screaming, crying as I'm like working on her head. But then once we like worked it out, then she was totally relaxed and calm. And then the next session she came back and I touched her head again, that same spot. And it, she was fine. We, we had released it. So it was all peaceful wow. there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that just incredible? And you're taking this like work that you learned to do that maybe when you started, you were thinking it was physical or like, I mean, I'm sure that you knew that it affected like everyone's health in so many ways, but like, I feel like the focus is so like physical, right? Like, okay, getting the spine aligned will help with like your physical health, right? And then you're realizing probably through working with babies, I imagine in those ways, seeing like how much connection there is between the physical body and mental and emotional body. And like the way we take care of one affects the other and vice versa, Yeah, it's honestly wild. And I'm really starting to notice a lot of a lot of correlation in these babies between like, like I have boys, baby boys that come in and the ones who are circumcised versus the ones who are not circumcised. And the ones who are circumcised always have way, way more like emotional trauma to be released. And the ones who are not circumcised are so much more peaceful. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's a whole topic. And it's It's been like without fail, like every time, like I'm working on this baby and then I ask mom, I'm like, was he circumcised? And like, yes or no. Like I already know what she's going to say based on when I'm working on him. Wow. Yeah. I am. I'm like not surprised. I'm like shocked because this is kind of like a new thing I've been thinking about, but I'm also like not shocked, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because it makes sense. Like I, you know, thinking of the uh, sexual like trauma that comes with that, like having your 
sexual organs altered the moment that you come earthside. And most of them, they don't even give them anesthesia. They just strap them down and cut it. <sighs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm really glad I'm not having a boy for that reason. Like to not have to like, even like, I don't know, maybe that's a little avoidant, but I'll learn more about it one day. But I, I had just started like scratching the surface when I found out I was pregnant on like that topic in particular. And I was like, oh my God, that's a big choice mm-hmm. to make. And then, um, cause it's like another one of those things where you're going against society and you're walking against the grain if you don't. Right. And then you're like, do I want my kid to be made fun of in a locker room? What's their sex life going to be like when ever uh, so many other when it's so common for other men to have this done and then your child does it. And like, I don't know, it's just like you start like getting going through all of these societal things again of like, it kind of what we were talking about with, you know, being a woman and honoring your cycle and taking a rest day. It's like that weird, like, I'm walking in the wrong direction feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. and I talk to a lot of my clients about that, that I'm working with. Like sometimes when you start to do this work, you're, you're walking, it feels like you're walking down a busy street in New York, you know, you're in Times Square and you're walking that way. And everybody else seems to be walking the other way. And you start to realize, and you're like, am I going the wrong direction? Like, am I walking the wrong way? Like, but you're like, but I know where I'm going and I know I'm not walking the wrong way, but everybody else is going the other way, you know? And Sometimes it can feel like that until all of a sudden you catch up with the other people in your tribe or people realize how confidently you're walking that direction. And they're like, I'm going to actually fall. I'm going to walk that way too. You know, so (laughs) you won't be alone for long, but sometimes at first you feel like I'm walking in the wrong direction, like against traffic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it can really feel like that. I feel like even just living in America and doing anything that has that has nothing to do with Western medicine. Like we're just so ingrained in like, what are the white coats, the MD white coats, what do they say? You know, and, and like, if you go to Europe, I mean, no one circumcises their babies in Europe, hardly anyone. They would, yeah. they would be like, what are you doing to your baby? You know, it's, it's crazy to them, this concept of just circumcising every boy. Yeah. We should go to Europe. Europe. They have good food right? too. Yeah. Right. Go to Italy. Mm. <laughs> Mm, that's where I belong. My heart like beats real fast when I think of Italy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, you know my family. That's where my mo- my mom and my grandparents, everyone are from Croatia. Like my family's European, so I always feel at home when I go to Europe. I'm like, these are yes. my people. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I. I. You know. We, we do food different. We do it all different. Same here. There's a, the rate of um, hysterectomies for women here is like through the roof compared to other developed countries. Um, like we're so quick to be like, let's just remove your, <laughs> your organs, yeah. you know? Oh, um, yes. And the rate of like C-section births is so much higher here as well. Um than so many other countries where maybe, you know, uh, we're taught like, you know, where people are taught to trust women's bodies a little bit more. Um, whereas Mm -hmm. here we're not really taught that, um, we're actually like often encouraged the opposite. Um, 
and ignored when we try to share about what we're feeling or going through in our bodies. Um, mm -hmm. Do a lot of women come to you who have had that experience maybe and they're looking for another form of healing because they've been ignored with, you know, what they're going through? Yeah. I mean, it honestly, it blows my mind. Like the amount of women I've talked to now, it blows my mind that anyone would even go to an OB for any sort of like period problems or hormone problems or anything like that. Um, but even too going back to like birth and birth trauma and it, it makes me so upset. Like it makes me so mad <laughs> how many women have birth trauma that was caused by the cascade of intervention. So by the doctors telling them this, this, this is happening. Therefore we need to induce you or we need to whatever. But then at the end of the day, they're told like, oh, we saved your baby. Like this C-section saved your baby. When really the C-section was caused because of the cascade of interventions. Like if that woman had just been left alone and left to just labor and do it on her own, her baby also would have been fine. But so many women, they don't yeah. even know. They don't even know that their birth trauma was caused by their medical team because their medical team told yeah. them that they so then they're like, Oh, I'm so grateful that like we had this great care. And it's like you you don't like you You didn't even so, you probably didn't even need the care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard. <sighs> Like I have a lot of women where it's like, I can almost see into their future and I can see like, you're probably not going to have a great birth, but you can't, you can't even say that to them. Like they, they're not ready to receive it, mm. you know? So it's like, okay, well I'll do my best on the back end to like help clean this up for you because I, <laughs> I know you're about to go through something. Like, because they've chosen like a hospital birth or like their team. Yeah. A birth mm. team is so important. Um, and that they align with like your, um, beliefs and where you're at and what you know that you need at that time. And, um, you know, I think women bring their babies into the world a lot of different ways. So I, you know, I'm always careful not to like shame or guilt anyone, but I do want to bring in the awareness and education of like, Hey, like learn a little bit more about the background of like how some of these practices came in and in the history of women in our country and how women have been uh, taken care of medically and treated. And then you might have a different perspective on uh, what you're open to or what's available to you or what your options are, or even like on how powerful and strong and capable you are as a woman versus what you've maybe been taught or what's been shared with you. And so I think it's important to really like learn about the past and history so that you can then um, realize where some of these options have come from or what they've evolved from and, and realize what other options you do have and what your body is actually capable of and finding that power within yourself. Um, I read a book called Hypnobirthing. It's like the Mongan method. And it's it's really interesting and shares a lot about the, the history of even back to when we were burning women at the state, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're a witch because you're a healer. Like anyone who was like a doula or a midwife or it was a birth partner to a woman. It's like, and then even women a long time ago, men were like, oh my God, they can give birth. Like that means they're super connected to God and they are very powerful. And that's very scary for unhealed men who, um, want power. You know what I mean? And so those power seeking unhealed men who were in charge of the government and the everything, you know, who were um, in leadership 
leadership <laughs> positions in quotes, um, were, you know, like, oh, well, that's scary. And so we need to control them. We need to tame them, you know, and anytime something's coming from uh, something's feeling controlling or someone feels the need to control, that comes from fear. Control comes from fear. Control is the opposite of love. And so if we would realize that as women that we've gone through from that, where they're literally burning women who say that I can help, you know, in the herbalist, the doula, the midwife, like all these people that I'm relying on, on my birth team for my home birth that we plan to have in April, you know, it's like those women would have been killed like a long time ago because you know, you're like, what kind of magic are you, are you doing? And they don't want us to have the recognize our inner power or our, our ability, you know, and then it moved forward to like, um, you know, back in the like fifties, women were giving birth in hospitals where the met, their husband was not even allowed in the room. They had to be by themselves. They were scared. It's like, you're walking in to give birth in a place that's already set up for like emergency. Like there's all these tools and all these lights and all these all this machinery and equipment and stuff like as if it is like um, as if you do have a medical problem and the moment you see that you start producing the wrong chemicals for giving birth like your body comes out of producing oxytocin and into being like I'm scared because clearly something's gonna go wrong in here you know like look at all this stuff that they have prepared for like something to be horribly wrong with me and it's like just because you're giving birth doesn't mean something's horribly wrong with you. Um, and they would literally knock women out. Like in the fifties, I read that they would like give them anesthesia, you know? And like, how do you birth a child when you can't even, you're not even conscious or you're not even awake or aware, you know? And yeah. like a lot of the drugs we're using today, it's like all of this is actually making birth harder. So when we're thinking, Oh, this is like, going to be helpful or like, just, I don't want to feel anything. It's like, ah, like I wish that we could continue. And that's why I love that, you know, the work that we're doing is like continue to give women options and education on, um, ways to reframe your mind and take care of your body all the time so that you're ready to be in your power. Um, if you do decide to <laughs> have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's how my grandma, she had six kids back in the fifties and sixties and she was knocked out for all of them. Yes. Oh my God. Unconscious. Yeah. I'm like, and it was, it's, this is so funny. So I was, I was with my grandma recently and I was trying to ask her questions about that. And it's just funny. I think just the generational difference, because I could tell she was very uncomfortable with me asking these questions. And I was like, so, cause I was asked, cause she had triplets. She had triplets in I don't know when they were born, but sometime like late fifties or early sixties. And that was like unheard of back in the day, you know, to have triplets. It was like, cause they was totally natural, like no IVF or, you know, nothing like that going on. Right. And, um, I was like, so you were knocked out with the triplets, right? She was like, yeah. And I was like, but it wasn't a C-section, right? Like they were still born vaginally. And she goes, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they were born regular, you know, like, like she wouldn't even want to say the word like vaginally. <laughs> Okay, like we can talk about these things, you know, like women need to talk about these things and be comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't have a disease because you have a bleed and you're not, there's not something, you don't have a medical condition because you're pregnant. Like, <laughs> and I feel like yeah. that's what was taught, you know? Yeah. And I loved what you said too about how like our, basically our connection to God is intimidating to unhealed men. 
And then if we look at who most of most of the medical doctors out there are men and it's like a male dominated system. And if you try to go to a medical doctor and ask them questions, most of them get very defensive and they don't want your questions or they'll get mad at you for looking on Google for things. And that also like that is boom, red flag of an unhealed man who's like not comfortable in, in like helping women. And I want this to be very clear too, that I love like I said, men and masculinity and like healed men who are protectors mm-hmm. and they're he- like, mm-hmm. we need that role in society, but we need yep. more men that have healthy masculinity and who yes. are comfortable in it and who are there yes. to hold us and protect us and, you know, be with us in the birthing room and, you know, not sitting in the waiting room <laughs> waiting to see what yeah. happens. Yeah. One of um, uh, my partner's um, men's coach that I've had on, on the podcast before, Traver Bohm, he has a, a whole like society for men and like they're healing and coaching and he's incredible. And he has a book um, called the uncivilized nation. I think one of his like rules is be okay. I don't want to mess this up. I think he says be dangerous, but not a danger. Mm. So it's like, I love, I love that. Cause it's like, yeah, like we want you to be in your masculinity, but like, how do you also like, um, you know, feel your feels and heal yourself so that you're not using it to hurt people (laughs) Um, or, or having that fear and feeling like I need to control and I need to take over. And that it's more like you're saying, like having that the masculine supposed to be represent safety and structure structure and support, not, not be scary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the more, the more that women have that in their partners, the more comfortable they can be in resting and taking days off and not mm -hmm. having to worry about all of that other stuff, because we don't have to step in. That's like, that's our masculine side, right. Coming out. So like the Mm -hmm. less that we have to take care of that, the more that our men can step up and do that for us, the more we can step back and, and rest and be the feminine and, you know, do those or even like practices. <laughs> yeah. Or even like m- being mindful if you're someone who's choosing a partner or maybe you have a partner, but you want to like start to consider this. Um, but if you haven't chosen your life partner, or, I don't know, whatever you want, like the next guy you date, whatever, um, you know, consider really taking into consideration um, whether that man is supportive of your choices and of your beliefs and of your self-care. Like if you say, I'm going to spend money every week to go see Dr. Brittany McGedrick and get my chiropractic adjustment and your partner's like chiropractic, what is that's dumb? Like that's a scan or like whatever. Okay. Maybe you want to consider if that's the right partner for you. You know, like if you say, I want to hire a coach, right. I'm going to work with Brittany to do this hormone health thing, you know, and, and, or I'm going to work with Bryn one-on-one life coaching. And, you know, I want, I have some things I want to work through and heal. And I want support in these areas. If your partner discourages you from that and says like, oh, that's like woo woo or that's silly or that's whatever, then that's a clear sign that that part, that man's probably not comfortable with his own um, healing journey or, you know, he's not that true, safe and supportive and uh, masculine that you need, you know, we need him to be there and be the mountain and be our protector and someone who's discouraging you from doing things that you know are right for you. And that's not willing to listen to your intuition or what you believe is right for you is not the right partner for you. Right. So it's like in building your support team for birth, it's not just your, you know, 
your team that's like for me, my doula, my midwife, whatever, it's also my partner. And so I, you know, being able to communicate with him and rely on him and share what I need or share what I want and what I know is best for me and have him fully support me and go, when I said I wanted a home birth, he didn't ask one question. He said, okay. Right. And it's like, well, actually his, he did have one question. He said, is that really messy to clean up? (laughs) 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 But other than that, there was no, there was no like, is that safe? Are you sure you should do that? Like, let me doubt you. It was like, Hey, I'm so comfortable in my masculinity that I can trust your femininity and that I can trust your intuition, that I can trust that you know your body and you know what to do because God blessed you with this gift of having a baby and you know what to do, you know? Um, so I think also like, Choosing a, a partner, a birth team, uh, a team of uh, healthcare professionals, whether that's your alternative medicine or your, you know, like I do have an OBGYN also that I see. So I get care from her and from my midwife and doula. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm very, I was very particular in choosing that doctor as well. And she's very respectful of my choices. She knows I'm doing a home birth. She supports it. She supports natural birth. She supports breastfeeding. She, you know, um, talks about co-sleeping. She's like, as a, you know, she's very open and very honest and very um, uh, um, respectful of the things I say I believe in and don't believe in or that I want to do and don't want to do. And she doesn't push me. You know, if I say don't want that flu shot or I don't want this or that, she's like, okay, like doesn't ever ask me again, you know? And so I think it's also important to be able to like find that medical team because it's not that all, you know, I don't want anyone to listen and think, oh, all doctors are bad. It's like, it's like just finding the person who answers your questions. Like you said, who helps you feel comfortable, who supports your vision, who trusts you um, so that you can trust them. Yes. Yeah. Huge. So I want to dive in to talking a little bit more about the work you do around hormone health, because I think it's super important. And you have your like course and like your hormone health kit. You actually have helped me a lot uh, personally, like when I went through a miscarriage and then getting pregnant again. Um, You're my go-to for like that kind of stuff. And um, so grateful for you, you and, and my friends from we made all the <laughs> vitamins I was taking. I had them on the show too. They're great. Um, I just love uh, the way you empower uh, women to heal themselves. And you always made me feel like it was possible for me to like give myself the support I needed. And then you helped me with different oils and supplements and different things to be able to, um, and using essential oils to help heal my hormones. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about the work you're doing there. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's all, it really all starts with women have to know that this is a possibility. So many women I feel like go in and it's funny too, because I don't do any like hormone testing with the women I work with. I honestly just like, I just don't really care (laughs) what like your blood tests or like whatever that says, because we are going to, we're going to just heal the whole person, right? We're just going to go in and like figure out everything that's going on and we're just going to heal everything. So whether you have high estrogen or low thyroid or this or that or whatever, like it's all just a lot of noise. At the end of the day, you just got to remember that your body 
was made to be healthy. Like we have the blueprints for health. Our body knows what to do. So if you are straying from that in any way, if you have PCOS or if you have endometriosis or if you have don't have a diagnosis, which honestly I prefer because a lot of women will get a diagnosis and then they just attach it to themselves. They're like, well, I can't do this because I have PCOS or, well, this may or may not happen for me because I have endometriosis or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, if you're, so if you're, if your body's straying from normal, healthy, we just got to figure out what it needs to get back there. And in modern America, like we've been talking about this whole time, there's a lot of things that are, are not cohesive with the way that women's bodies are designed to live. So we've got a lot of options to figure out how much are you sleeping? What kind of food are you eating? Most women, like, especially in America, it's been all about this, you know, low fat, vegetarian, vegan, like just not a nutrient dense diet is what a lot of women have, or they're constantly focused on weight loss things like that, that are just not going to be super conducive to building up hormones. So let's look at what you're eating. Let's look at how well you're resting. What's your job like? How stressed are you at work? <laughs> Which like so many people just don't even think about it. I'm like, like if you hate your job, if you're like crying every other week at your job, you know, like that's going to affect your hormones more than anything. Yeah. I like that you look at all that stuff because sleep and stress are like, like stress is a whole body experience. And I always teach that too. Mm -hmm. Like there, like I always say there's not enough kale or broccoli in the world to make up for a toxic um, relationship or a job that you hate. (laughs) So yeah, like looking at the whole person. And then you mentioned like the low fat diet. Can you share a little bit more about that? Like these these fad diets and how they're affecting women's hormones. Yeah. Well, our hormones are made from cholesterol. Like that, like the building blocks for hormones, cholesterol is the first building block. So we need cholesterol and saturated fats um, to, to produce enough hormones. So if we're constantly on this low fat or just going for vegetable oils, which are like a whole nother rabbit hole that are so inflammatory <laughs> and bad, it's not just that they're low fat. It's like, they have so many other things wrong with them. Um, you're just not going to have the tools. Your body's not going to have the tools it needs to produce hormones at a regular level. Yeah. One of the things you said was like, our body knows how to be healthy or like wants to be healthy or something like that. And it made me think of, yeah, like both our, our spiritual body and like our physical body always will seek help. Like that's like what we know how to do as like these living beings, but we have to have the proper tools. So it's like what you were saying about the fats and like protein and stuff like that. If, if healthy fats are the main building block for, um, hormones, you know, for example, it's like, okay, well, like if you aren't feeding those to your body, your body does know how to heal, but it literally can't because you're not like working with it to put those in. So like you said, I love that you use the word building blocks because, um, that's exactly what they are. It's like, if you don't have the tools, how do you build the house? It's like, I don't have any bricks. You want me to build this, but there's nothing to build it with. And it's like, that's what our body is shouting at us when we start to have all these other issues. It's like, Hey, I know something's wrong and you're just, I just need the proper like tools um, or building blocks to like put it back together. So like, can Mm -hmm. you feed me those? Can you give me those? Like, you know, even if it's more sleep, you know? 
Yeah. Our body's always communicating with us. It's just telling us more of what it needs. We're just, we see symptoms and we think, oh no, something's wrong. When really symptoms are just a communication. So really when we have symptoms, instead of being scared or thinking something's wrong, if we can just take a step back and be like, okay, this is interesting. What is my body trying to tell me? I mean, yeah. that shift alone. <laughs> That's a big part of like the femininity practices that I teach the women that I work with one-on-one is that everything that happens to our body, everything that happens to us in our body is worth paying attention to. And that is part of your divine feminine is like slowing down enough to actually hear the messages, you know, and I've always taught with the nutrition work and I know you teach this too, like, like listen to something when it's a whisper or a little nudge, because then if, if you don't, it becomes, or you're moving so fast that you can't, right. Then it becomes a punch and a shove and a push, you know, and then your body is screaming at you. And that's when you're hospitalized and, you know, you've done sometimes irreparable damage and, you know, you're, you're down a path that you, is hard to come back from because you didn't listen when it was a whisper or a nudge. And so, yeah, like every little thing that happens in our body is worth paying attention to. It's not just happening. This isn't just how it is, you know? Yes, exactly. And I have so many people that will come into me, even if we just talk about like back pain, they, they come in and they have like, they're like crawling into my office. They can like barely move. And I'm like, well, what happened? They're like, I don't know, nothing. Like I bent over to grab a towel. Like they never have a cool story because here's what really happened is they weren't listening to their body for so long. If you like trace it back, it's like, well, remember that one day that you woke up and like your neck felt a little weird when you woke up, but then you ignored it for two weeks. And then, and then, you know, you like sneezed weird and then it kind of hurt again. But then again, you ignored it for another two weeks. And now you're in my office and you can't look left or right out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, this actually didn't come out of nowhere. We really slow down and think back to like, when could I have listened to my body a little bit more, paid a little bit more attention um, to like help support in the healing process. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I love that. So like with the hormones, like you were talking about food and about diet. And I think this is huge because there's a lot of women who focus, like you said, on like weight loss or their physical body and are doing things that are like maybe popular or they've heard like, like, oh, I'm just eating salads. Like I've, I've heard that from multiple women in this, in the new year, like in January, like, oh, I'm back to like eating my salads every day. And I'm like, that's what you want to eat every day. Like, I mean, I like a good salad. Like sometimes like, you know, I love the like Niswa salad at Earth Cafe. Okay. But it also has like hard boiled eggs and like a big piece of salmon on the top, you know, it's like, what? I don't know. I'm just like, what? <laughs> What's yeah. the deal with that? <laughs> I can tell you the last time I ate a salad, to be honest. <laughs> like, like, and when do you ever like really feel good after a salad that doesn't have a bunch of other things? Like, yeah, maybe if my salad had like hard boiled eggs and grass fed steak on it and, you know, other X, Y, Z things, then sure, I'll feel good. But just like a salad of vegetables, I know. And I like, I remember because I, I mean, I used to try to eat a ton of vegetables all the time because I thought that was what was really good for me, but I never really felt that good after them. Like I would have a snack of like baby carrots and like some broccoli or whatever. And then I was always so hungry and like, didn't have that much energy, but I thought and that they were good gassy. for me. 
Yeah, exactly. Very gassy. <laughs> Actually, you know, funny story. So in 2018, <laughs> I did the carnivore diet for a month. And I was like thinking about doing it for a little while. But what really put me over the edge was <laughs> one night I came home and I had dinner. I had like some, I think I had some steak with Brussels sprouts. And then I went and taught yoga at Core Power. And I was so gassy that whole class. Those I was like, muscles, those like, cruciferous veggies. Holding it in. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, after that night, I was like, all right, F these Brussels sprouts. I'll do carnivore for a month. I'll try it out. <laughs> Yeah, there are certain vegetables that will really get you, especially yeah. the like cruciferous veggies. You just have to listen to your body, like, or like, start, like raw, like some raw veggies. Like, oh man, they'll really do you. And it just like takes a lot of enzymes and things to digest that. And for some people, it just doesn't work. And I think it's just so important that we listen to which foods actually make us feel energized and make us feel good. And sometimes that's not a damn salad, you know? It's like, yeah. Like sometimes I do like to make a salad on the side of like a steak or something else, you know, but it's like, or like if I do make a salad, I'm also going to add like a ton of protein. Like, let me put quinoa on it. Let me put black beans. Let me put like, however you choose to eat and feels good for you, but we can't miss out on those main building blocks of the healthy fats. Like I eat avocado every single day. I eat eggs every single day, like, especially because being pregnant, um, those healthy fats are so crucial. And then the protein, like protein, protein, protein. And I feel like I used to think when I was younger, like if I eat all that protein, I'm going to get really big or something. And I'm actually like in, in the best physical shape. I mean, now I'm pregnant. So my belly is a little big, but you know, but you know what I mean? Like even before I got pregnant, I feel like I was in the best physical shape. Like and was the happiest with the way I looked like in a bikini and everything. And I was eating the, the most like, um, intuitively I ever had versus like eating based on like a fad diet or what people like said you should eat. Or I, I wasn't eating things because I thought I should in quotes, right? Like if we get rid of the word should, and we were like, what do I really feel like I want today? If it's a big steak, like just eat it. You know what I mean? Like last night I really wanted a burger. I was like, that's what I want. And I, I ate it. It's like, we, we can let go of that. Like, Oh, I shouldn't eat that. I need to eat. I need to eat my, I need to stick with my salad or like, I need to stick with my smoothie. It's like some days I do like a smoothie and other days I'm like, I don't want to eat cold food at all today. You know, I want to eat cooked mm -hmm. food. I want to eat hot foods. I want to eat dense foods. I want to eat things that fill me up. And I make them at home. You know, it's like I made a big stew with butternut squash and quinoa and black beans and tomatoes and broth. And like, it's thick and it's warm and it's like, that's what I wanted. But it's like, so I might still be eating veggies, but maybe I'm not like, oh, I need this cold, you know, this one meal because everybody says this is how you get skinny. <laughs> it's like, right. you're going to, your, your body's going to step into its best composition physically when you're actually listening to it and working with rather than against what your cravings are and what you actually feel like serves your body. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to eat a bunch of vegetables because I thought I was supposed to, but I never actually felt that good when I ate them. Mm -hmm. And what do you focus on eating now? Now I focus on like meat, red meat is always my priority because so I also, well, it's interesting too talking about like intuitive eating. So like I, tend to like if I could I would just eat carbs all day long if just left to like purely what I just feel like just I don't know that's just I don't tend to go towards like savory foods 
but I know mm-hmm. that red meat is the most nutrient dense and I know that it makes me feel really good. So it's not, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily always like really want to eat it, but I know I'm going to feel good if I do. So I always mm-hmm. prioritize like red meat or like just trying to get more of those savory things, but then I still will eat like sweets or carbs or stuff after if I want to. Mm. So I, I get so that you're like, let me like, prioritize. No, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if I start with a steak, like I'll still have some like raw milk ice cream after I have like raw mm. milk ice cream almost every night, but <laughs> I always make sure to have like a good, like red meat meal beforehand. So I'm getting all the nutrients that I need. And then I'm also getting, you know, that bonus from, mm. from the ice cream. I like that. So you're like, let me prioritize the foods that I know are like going to serve me the best, like nutrients wise. And then if I want something still after, um, and then sometimes I bet you do eat the other foods and you're satisfied and you're like, I don't want the other thing that I was like, you know, like the sugar, or the ice cream or whatever that I was craving. But then you're like, if I do want it, I'm going to eat it, you know? And it's like, yeah. And you also are in incredible health, incredible shape. Like you, you're probably looking and feeling the best that you ever have as well. Yeah. And I never feel guilty for anything I eat ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Because coming back to what you talked about earlier, the stress will kill you before mm-hmm. anything else. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you're stressed about eating ice cream and then you eat the ice cream, like you still eat the ice cream, but then you're still feeling stressed about it. It's like, what was even the point of that? Eat the ice yeah. cream, enjoy it, and then also have some protein on the side. So you're still, you know, doing something right for your yeah. body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I, I do that too. I, I eat ice cream too, but I eat vegan ice cream because I don't eat dairy because my stomach does not like it. But yeah, my yeah. midwife was also like, well, I bet if you tried eating raw dairy and I was like, okay, I might give that a try, but like not right now. Like, let me do one thing at a time. Like, cause I'm pregnant and so many things are changing. I was like, maybe after. Yeah. <laughs> I'll experiment with this. Um, yes. But yeah. So yeah, I love that you're being uh, so open and transparent about the way you eat and that I got to share how I eat. And then it's cool. Cause everyone's kind of hearing that's listening that we kind of eat a little bit differently, but then like we, what we're, what we're both doing that's in common is like really listening to ourselves and prioritizing, um, nutrients and self-care and prioritizing self-care and listening to our bodies and getting enough sleep and all that so that the food cravings we are having are more properly informed. So it's like, we do know what we want because we are like, we love our jobs. We're not super stressed. We do get a lot of sleep. Like all the the basics are covered. So then we're like, okay, I can trust that I can listen to like what my body's telling me. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I would love for you to just share, um, how people can find you and follow along, especially on your social media. Um, if you guys loved what you heard from Dr. Brittany McGetrick today, you should definitely follow along. Um, if you need some support with her hormone health repair kit, um, it's amazing. And she just like, is so easy to get a hold of and, and, um, help answer questions for you and everything. So, um, please share your, your Instagram or website or anything. And, um, also your chiropractic office for anyone who's local to you. Yeah. Yeah. So Instagram is the best way to find me to get a hold of me. So I'm on Instagram. It's at doctor. So DR period. And then just my name, Brittany McGetrick. Um, and you can find all my links and everything on my website and all of that is, is on my Instagram. You can send me a message on there. I respond. I check my message request folder and all that good stuff. Um, so that's the best way to get a hold of me. And then, yeah, if anyone is in Nashville, my office is called Evergreen Chiropractic and we are right in the heart of Nashville, right in Music Row. Yes. So if you're in Nashville, go start seeing 
Dr. Brittany McGetrick um, and mention that you heard, you know, from her on Bird Moves, the podcast. And yeah. Uh, yeah, she she's amazing and practices a really special kind of chiropractic, um, like she had mentioned, Gonstead. And so it's very healing. It's the best type of chiropractic I've ever received. Um, very different from the some of the first chiropractors I saw when I was younger um, that I feel like I was always having to go back because I wasn't like feeling right. And this is like the best self-care ever. Like it feels like so healing to go to a, a Gonsta doctor because it's actually like so accurate the way that they're helping. So check it out. Um, and thanks for being on the show today, Brittany. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course.